Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about fraud. Online fraud, hackers, scams, identity theft in Japan, and what exactly we can do about it. Now, I've been involved professionally in IT in Japan for more than 20 years. And that includes both enterprise scale big IT and startup scale little IT. And corporate Japan has always had a strange relationship with computer security. On one hand, companies are very sensitive to security concerns, and they'll pay top dollar for security hardware and software systems and evaluations. But on the other hand, Day to day security practices are often neglected. Operating systems remain unpatched, firewalls are set up and then never touched again, and backup systems are rarely tested. Right now, however, Japan is going through a bit of a security transition in both their understanding of fraud and how susceptible their systems are to fraud and hacking. And to walk you through some of these important changes, today we sit down with Atsuyoshi Shimazu, founder and CEO of Kaolis. Now, Kaolis offers a distributed online fraud prevention service called Fraud Alert. And it's solid technology that has a special appeal in the Japanese market. Now, Atsuyoshi also explains how the Internet of Things. Is going to force all of us to radically change the way we think about online security and security in general. And he also explains why the instances and losses due to online fraud is set to skyrocket in Japan over the next two years. But you know, Atsuyoshi tells that story much better than I can. So let's hear from our sponsor and get right to the interview. Some of Japan's largest companies are starting open innovation programs and actively reaching out to global startups. They're new at this, and that's where Crew, with two W's, comes in. Crew runs corporate startup accelerators for companies like Toyota and Panasonic and dozens more. And these programs are one of the best ways to jumpstart your business in Japan. Many are open to global startups, and they're completely free. Now, I've known and worked with the Crew team. And they're probably doing more than anyone to bridge the gap between corporate Japan and global startups. So drop by crew with two W's dot ME slash four hyphen startups and get started. So I'm sitting here with Atsuyoshi Shimazu of Kaoris, the makers of Fraud Alert, which is an online security and fraud prevention tool. But I'm sure you can explain it much better than I can. So Thanks for sitting down with me. And can you tell me a bit about what Fraud Alert does and what Kaoris is? Fraud Alert、um, protects the、uh, corporate website from the fraud attack, such as、um, brute force attacks. At first, we protect the login page and also conversion page, such as trans- money transfer pages. You're preventing unauthorized access to,、yes. to web pages and monitoring. The behavior on those pages、yes. as well. Yeah. Also, we ported the smartphone apps.、Uh, we checked the how, how to type the word and the behavior. So, like behavioral profiling? Yes. Okay. 
So, so how does it work exactly? Do the systems make a API call to your to your systems? Are there is there code level integration? Yes. Sir. How does the system work? First, the client should introduce our JavaScript in the login page, and also clients should set the API connection to our web servers. And and there's a different. JavaScript callback in every page so you can track yes, users' right. behavior. Yes. What type of things qualify as unusual user yes. behavior? I Now I'm using the MacBook and using the Google Chrome in the location of the automatic area. So this is unusual, my behaviors. But if the hackers use the same ID and password, but they use the Windows 10, and uh, Internet Explorer outside of Japan. This uh, user is behavior is not normal. Okay, so right, so if someone's coming in from a new location or if the same IP address tries to log in with yeah. a bunch of different usernames, yes. that all looks suspicious. Yes. Does Fraud Alert provide authentication and authorization services as well, or is it simply... Focusing on the um, detection. Detection. Tell me about your customers. So in previous interviews and on your website, you talk about 50 million accounts yeah. being protected, yes. but who are your actual customers? So are yes. they ISPs or banks or yes. small e-commerce sites? Um, now we are focusing on the banking and the credit card corporate and also telecom carrier. I want to dive into more detail yeah. about security in Japan. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, let's talk about you for a minute. So you founded Kalias in December of 15. Yes. So it's been a really crazy two years, I'm sure. Yeah. And before that, you were working with uh, Okada-san. Yes, right. right. At um, the, the CAPTCHA company, CAPI. Yeah, yes, right. So CAPI uh, <laughs> is also in security. They do this kind of advanced yes. CAPTCHA technology, yes. right? Yes. So what made you decide to leave Capi and start your own company? Yeah, uh, I have two reasons. Capture just only um, focusing on the protecting bots, but uh, bad humans uh, logging cannot protect. This is the first reason. Actually, is, is Capture still effective? Because it seems like, at least like the text-based Capture. Yeah. I think AIs are better than humans at it. At least they're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Second reason, capture itself. All hacker and the user can see the capture, but the hacker would solve the capture solution. Some hackers uh, show the how, um, this is a way to hack and bypass the capture way. Capture is just only the additional authentication, but the authentication is ma many additional authentication was will be hacked. So we want to focus on the detection, not authentication. And also, um, many electronics and also an automotive will be connected into the internet. So connected car would have the password and the ID, but capture is just on the web browser. So we want to spread the security domain to IoT industry. That's a good point. It, it's, it's kind of dangerous to have a startup that's really too yeah. focused on a specific technology. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. In the beginning of this month, NHK broadcast the collaboration with Toyota and startups. So how is Toyota gonna use your, your products? What are they gonna use them for? Toyota now facing 
the sharing economy's business model, and drivers can ride so many automotives. So identity password and identification is very important. Let's look into this a little more. What will Toyota be doing in the sharing economy? Are they talking about having individual cars that different people can use, sort of like a car sharing program? Also, yes. And they want to transit the business model uh, human-centric automotive car-like providers. So when we move from the traditional web and mobile internet, which is yes. you know primarily username password based, yeah. and we're all used to typing those in. Yes, right. When we move to IoT, when we move to something like an automobile, you're not using a username and password anymore. Uh, but they have uh, so many apps. The apps need to input the ID and the password. After input the Toyota's ID and password, um, the apps show the this is a good light way to the destination or you drive so many kilometers, so you should go to the car check. Okay, you'll be providing fraud detection for their their web applications and yes. mobile applications. Yes. This is a um, this is a time strategy of Toyota. Car centric is a 20th century business model in this century, and they will transit uh, human-centric car so providers. Customer-centric, so yes. it's a relationship not just with the driver, but with everyone in the family that might be driving the car. Good. Yes. Or different people in the company who are driving the company car. Interesting. Yes. Boy, that is going to be a big yeah. change for them. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly makes sense that fraud detection is going to become more and more important as we move towards Internet of Things and more integrated services across yeah. a lot of different devices. Yes. Let's talk a bit about the problem of fraud in Japan. It's a very nervous um, situation in Japan. Um, and Japan government did a survey in, at the end of 2015. One third uh, IPO company has damage from the fraud. Yeah, I've seen that number. So one third of all public companies have said they've suffered yes. damage from fraud. But that's a really broad statement. Does that mean internet fraud or credit card fraud? Or does that include things like mm -hmm. employees stealing from them? Online banking was stolen of 3 billion yen uh, in 2015. 11.3 billion Japanese yen chargeback damage. Chargeback means uh, the someone steal the credit card information and use unauthorized purchase that is about $120 million? Yeah. So there's $120 million of credit card fraud in Japan every year. But you know, the, the damage increasing every year. The before 2013, there is no damage in Japan because many browsers doesn't have the translating function. In the end of 2012 and the beginning of um, 2013, every Firefox, Google Chrome, Internet Explorer have the function language translations. So many hackers, oh, this is a Japan bank, this is e-commerce, e this is a credit card. So, so many hackers attack. attacked in Japan. Before the Japanese language just made it but language more barrier. difficult. Yeah, it was yeah. a language barrier, yeah. not a security barrier. Yes. Of that credit card fraud, what percent of it is online fraud versus offline? Maybe um, offline is more bigger. Okay, so most of it is offline. Yeah, 
such as a, a stolen credit card using. It's um, maybe 60%. Okay. But uh, online damage increasing year by year. In 2020, the online damage will be overcome the offline damage, I think. That's a real problem, and it's something that anyone doing business in Japan、yeah. needs to worry about. But when we're looking at Japan, we're talking about $120 million、mm-hmm. in credit card fraud a year. But in the US, that level is about $8.5 billion a year. Oh. So it, it's interesting. So Japan has an economy that's about 30% as big as the US, but it only has about 1.5%. Of the credit card fraud. Yeah. Why?、Um, many Japanese use in cash. The credit card usage rate will be 20 to 30%. 70% will be paid with cash. Well, e- but, but,、um, uh, even taking that into account, so even if there was three times more credit card transactions, that you would still only be looking at 4.5%, 5%, the level yeah, of fraud yeah, yeah, of the yeah, US. Yeah. Maybe、um, the still the language barrier will be protected in Japan. But like you say, that language barrier is really false security. Yeah. But still,、um, the credit card and some e commerce、uh, should require the users additional authentications. So, right now, is most of the credit card fraud in Japan coming from outside Japan? I think so. For example, the, one of the big e commerce services introduced.、Uh, Uh, name recognition authentication. If the website recognizes this user is malicious, after pushing the button of the purchase, please put your name, color <laughs> language. Okay. The fraud stopped. Wow, so just making them input something in kana. Kana. Well, yeah, if you don't speak Japanese.、Uh, but again, that's not really real security because. Yes. You can go to half a dozen different translation websites、yes. and get it to do that. <laughs> yeah. So that, that will only slow the hackers down for a month or two, I think. Yeah. So it's a temporary authentication, I think. Right, right. Before you mentioned that it wasn't just credit cards, but things like point systems、yeah. and airline miles are a really、yeah. big target for fraud these days. Yes, right.、Um, because the mileage could be changed to the Bitcoin or Electric money. So、uh, hackers think、uh, mileage is、uh, one type of the,、uh, money. In Japan, too much authentication and the usability is lost. So, such as a big airline company h a v e so many、um, young people and older men. Older men cannot recognize、uh, how to put the short mail numbers into the website. So they dropped and they changed the airline company. So, Um, this is a, a trade off security and usabilities. Yeah, that's, I mean, almost every software system you'll ever write, that's the trade off between security and usability. Yeah. yeah. So, how do you handle that? Let's say, for example, let's say someone logs into one of your customer、mm-hmm. sites、mm-hmm. and you detect that they're engaging in suspicious behavior. Say they go directly from login and directly to like the exchange points page instead of like a A my account or something like that. What happens then? What does the user see?、Um, they suggest please use the additional authentication. Or now、uh, we have a login attempt. Is it yours? Send email for confirmation of login. 
Okay, so maybe before before the transactions finalized, yeah. they need to confirm by email or yeah. enter some other identifying information. Yeah, I see. Okay, you know, earlier this year. There was a couple of really big ransomware attacks, yeah. both in the U.S. and in Europe. Did those affect Japan? Yes. In this February to May, there are so many attacks. Some clients they want to introduce our, our solution uh, in um, during Golden Week, but they have another ransomware attack. So please stop, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> because the damage was so huge. Now I know. Ransomware attacks aren't something you can prevent. I mean, that's just basic system-level security that the clients need to do. But do you think Japanese companies are particularly susceptible to ransomware attacks? I think so. Um, but um, they have uh, the some banking introduced uh, many solutions for ransomware protections, but uh, other industry. Um, cannot afford to introduce so many solutions because of their budget. There are very few companies who put the CIO, chief information officer, chief security officers, chief information security officers. The position of CIO and CSO is a little bit lower yeah, position in Japan. Yeah, in, in Japan, a, a CIO, even a CTO, is usually yes. two or three levels below the CEO. They're yes. pretty far down there. Yeah. So Japanese um, structures problems. In United States, the CEO, CEO, or CXO is a same grade, but in Japan, the CIO is a very lower level. So they need more security solutions. I've noticed that one of the things that has struck me as strange in Japan for the last you know twenty years plus I've been working in technology mm-hmm. here. Japanese companies are very, very slow to upgrade their public servers,、mm-hmm. even for security patches.、Mm-hmm. Or is that changing? Are are people becoming more aware of the importance of security here? Yes, in Japan, the、um, you know the system integrators such as NTT, IBM,、um, they have so、uh, huge、um, power for clients. If the banking introduce IBM solutions. Um, they cannot change the solutions without IBM power. Right, right.、Yeah. The, in Japan, so, the systems integrators have huge power over their clients. Yes, the leading company recognized this situation is very dangerous.、Uh, so、um, many banking、um, decided to introduce clouds and hosting servers. It's a bit very good for their business and also their security. So you think the move to cloud is going to result in a significant increase in security?、Yes. That makes sense. I think it will because it it, it takes the responsibility for upgrades and、mm. server downtime off of the client and makes it this automatic process. So、um, some、uh, some banker said,、um, if they want to introduce this type of the new technology, that their system made by system integrator. So introducing. This new technology it cost two to three years. <laughs> System requirement setting. This is six months.、Uh, six months is right, right.、Yeah. Where any startup could do it in a month. Yeah. So they、um, decided to transit to the cloud business. After introducing cloud is very popular in Japan.、Um, the Japanese traditional company can follow the、uh, technology's improvement. 
Absolutely. And and the move to the cloud has been great for companies like, like you as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, two to three years is a very long to introduce new technologies. I think the big transition to cloud computing happened after uh, the 2011 earthquake, mm -hmm. when suddenly all of these companies couldn't run their own data centers. Mm -hmm. and, and, but over the last three or four years, it really seems to have accelerated mm -hmm. the move into the cloud. A few months ago, in a different interview, you mentioned that you were talking with some insurance companies about offering, well, basically hacking insurance. Uh, yes. How would that work? That sounds really interesting. Okay. Main purpose of the, um, transit to the security to insurance. Um, this is an enterprise domain. This is a small business. In Japan, small business company doesn't have an IT department, so they want to buy our solution, not security, but uh, insurance. From an insurance yeah. point of view, so what, what is the asset that's being insured? I mean, how do companies determine the, the value or the damage from a hack? Or It, it just seems like a very difficult thing. Uh, yeah, good point. Now we are discussing so, so many you know, insurance companies. But at first, you know, we gathered so many clients' um, data. This is a total login. This is a, we can see each industry's hackers' attacks rate. We provide the data to the insurance companies. Insurance company will calculate the price. So we provide how many hackers will attack to the banking or credit card e-commerce. We gather the data and we sell to the insurance company. Okay. The insurance company will make the insurance and we resell it to, to our the clients. Client. Yes, this is a business model. When do you think you'll be able to do that? In next two months, we will um, release the press release with insurance company in Japan. Wow. Okay, so September, probably by the time this, this episode airs, you'll be offering hacker insurance. Yeah. Interesting. And insurance is easy to sell in Japan. Yes, right. J Japan is kind of over-insured by yeah. world standards. Yes. So that's a really interesting business model. Yeah. We already um, have a discussion with uh, five to six insurance companies in Japan. They have no data of the, how many hackers will be in Japan. So, but we have this, this type of data. Do you have plans for uh, international expansion? Yes. And we have discussion with uh, Indonesian banking or Malaysian banking. The Indonesian, the Malaysian and Singapore, all government introduced to fintech investment on venture capital. In Southeast Asia, it's a very good market for fintech. Some industries, it makes sense that it's very local and yes. it's hard to go global. Yeah. Uh, services are like that. But, yes. but security seems like it almost has to be global. There's an advantage to being global because most of the, the hacking and the threats are coming from overseas. Yes. We have maybe seven to nine competitors in all over the world, but all competitors focusing on the such as Facebook or Google, the giants. So um, Southeast Asia, there's a, a little bit blue ocean. So we have a, another stakeholder, ISI Dentsu. 
um, they have so many um, branches in Southeast Asia, so they um, offer our solution to many Southeast Asians, telecom or banking or credit card company. So the fraud detection startups around the world, and not even startups, the IBMs, and the fraud detection companies around the world, the technology and the approach is pretty much the same. The, the real difference is in the, the sales function and the, the pricing. Yeah, pricing is maybe 120 or 130 cheaper now because you know, now we um, got the investment or debt finance from the banking and we sell very lower, cheapest price. After selling, we, get, we can gather the data. Right, right. This is a, but the IBM will selling its very highest price. Yeah, well, I mean, the advantage of being a startup is you do get to come in from the, the bottom of the market, yeah. the lower price, and eventually yes. push out the yes. IBMs, yes. the threat matrixes. Yes. And Let's talk about Japan in general. We were talking before that credit card fraud and online fraud from inside Japan is still relatively rare. Most of the attacks are coming from outside Japan. Do you think this is changing? Do you think the fraud rate inside Japan is increasing or is it kind of staying the same? Um, a little bit um, increasing, I think, because um, many dark websites selling the data of this is the Japanese ID and password list. Some Japanese will buy the dark web and they put the ID and the password, so the information, individual information, financial assets. So just because hacking is becoming so much easier than it used to be, yes, more people are doing yes. it. Yeah, traditional hackers um, see the uh, weakness of the system and research and put their malware or ransomware. Right. It was very hard. Right, hacking used to be hard. Yeah. It took some serious technical skills. Yes. <laughs> but uh, the fraud is uh, just only purchase ID and password and put ID and password. It's on no technical, technical hacking. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Every year it becomes easier and easier, so we should expect yes. more and more people to yes. be doing it. Um, there are so many lists of the how to hack the Google, how to hack the Apple. They can download the source of the hacking tool. Right. Let me ask you, other than using Fraud Alert, what advice do you have for people who are running e-commerce sites and blogs or anything with a login? What advice do you have for them about... At first, they should um, see how many rate of the hackers' attacks. After founding this company, I met uh, so many CIO, CSO, maybe 20 to 30 CIO, CSOs, but they don't know how many fraud attacks count their own website. No one knows. So they're not even paying attention to it? Yes. So Do they know how to monitor it, or is it all just new to them? Uh, maybe new to them. Okay. Because uh, in Japan, the CIO, CSO is not a key person. Maybe you know, almost admi administrators, the head of administrator will promote the CIO, CSO department. So. Well, this, the, the sad thing is that in most large Japanese companies, the equivalent of the CIO or the CTO is the one that has, he's used to managing the systems integrators. He's used to working with outsourcing companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of times they're not really a technical person. Mm. 
all of the technical knowledge is in their system integrator, not yeah, yeah, in yeah. their company. Yes. Last month, um, I checked uh, how old is uh, each country's CIOs. Japan is almost the end of the 50s, or uh, at least uh, middle of the 50s. Okay. But in the United States, maybe the end of the 20s or beginning of the 30s, and CSO is uh, very young people. Oh, CSO. CSO. CIO, I'd imagine, be a little yes, older. Yes, The CSO is a very young and a techie, but in Japan, CSO is just only accounting, financial, head, head is a CSO. I cannot... Do most public companies have a chief security officer, a CSO? Uh, in Japan, 54%. Uh, 54 is um, just only the back of his last position, or they hired as a CSO outside of the company. Ah, and, and is the number much higher in America? Uh, 88, I think. 88% of public companies yes. have a chief yes. security I, I have officer? I have data, so I will send okay. the report. Okay, that is quite a difference then. Do you have any advice for general internet users and consumers about how to stay safe on the internet? Yes. Do you know, um, have I been pawned? This is a side name. Have I been pawned? Yeah. Yeah, I do. That's a great one. We'll, we'll put a link up on the site. Yes. I always uh, introduce this website to Japan's CSO or uh, my friends. At first, um, general user put um, their own email address to this website and check and after um, this mail address and ID uh, was stolen. Um, Have I Been Pawned is a great site to see if your identity has been stolen or your account has been hacked. Yes. And we'll, we'll put a link up on the, the page so uh, the users can go and check yeah. it out because that's important yeah. information. Yes. Also, um, please separate the, each website's ID and the password. In Japan, 70% Japanese use same ID and the password all oh, yeah. web services. Get a password manager. Yeah. <laughs> There's many good ones out there. Pick one. Yes. yes. Hey, well, listen, before we wrap up, yeah. I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. And that is, if I gave you a magic wand and I said you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, mm. the education system, the way people think about risk, uh, the way people think about failure, anything at all, to make it better for startups in Japan. Mm. What would you change? Hmm. I want to make all employees have a time to travel all over the world. Um, and Masa, our head of the business planning, he lived in England, Malaysia, China, Singapore. Uh, he had so many various friends and various experience. So, He's a big perspective because he's just only 27. Would you say the best way to do that would be, for example, companies be more willing to send employees to international conferences? Or do you think after university, students should spend one year living somewhere else? Yes. Uh, so, yes, many Japanese just only live in Japan or just have a Japanese friends. It's a very close uh, world. I want young people have a more global perspective. If Masa um, go to the England, England has uh, so talented people in England from the all over the world. So outside of the Japan's young people was 
so experienced, so talented people. But Japan is the same type of Japanese. So that, I, I don't know how to It's interesting. A number of my guests before have said it's, imp- it's important for Japanese to go overseas to improve their creativity. Mm-hmm. But it sounds mm-hmm. like you're talking about something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So is it that overseas is more competitive than in Japan? And, and that it forces people into this competitive nature and to be kind of the best in the world? Yeah. So it's the same way, for example, that yeah. you were saying Japanese websites could get away with being kind of sloppy with security because the Japanese language protected them, where English language sites have to be the most secure in the world because everyone's attacking them. I think so. So it's that kind of dynamic. You have to compete harder? Compete harder, but um, we have... a. Uh advantage of the blacklist APIs. We will connect to the Google, Facebook, Apples. All players and should release the data each other's. So the different organizations should share the yes. blacklist and share yes. security information. Yes. So and that's happening now, right? Uh, now, mm, no. No? No. Every CSO had a trouble to how to share the hackers list. So previous century, um, Security is more concrete and uh, sure. no, no, not shared. It was physical. It yes. Was. So we want to uh, make our companies uh, risk-sharing companies. Well, I think a lot of companies are talking about the importance of that. Yeah. And I think it's going to be critically important because the hackers are all sharing information. Yeah. So the good guys have to share information or they're going to lose. Ah, it's a good point. Uh, but the, the way of uh, hack um, will be improving. But the malware, um, if the, this malware attack to the Mizuho banking, Mizuho banking share to the other banking, this malware wouldn't be effective. So do you think we're going to get to a point where the security companies are going to start sharing this information soon? No. Not soon? Not soon. Oh. It's too bad. <laughs> but um, IoT decade, each device will be connected to the internet. So um, IoT itself makes the um, situation change, I think. Okay. Because you know, IoT automotive is dangerous for, for drivers. It'll force industry to start taking security seriously. Yes. Well, that'll be a good thing. Well, listen, Atsuyoshi, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Yeah, thank you very much. Your journey to success in Japan will involve some twists and turns. In trying to navigate new terrain, planning the safest, most effective way through on your own can be overwhelming. The Carter Group have been using market intelligence and research to guide Japan entrants for decades. They've honed an agile, cost-effective, but consultative approach that will help you find the perfect product market fit, explore user and consumer dynamics, and act as an honest broker to let you know the reputation and track record of potential partners here in Japan. And when you're ready to go, their executive search team can also help you hire the right people to drive your business forward. So if you haven't got Japan completely figured out yet, the Carter Group can help you out. And we're back. Okay, I admit that my view of security was becoming a bit out of date. I was still thinking in terms of usernames and passwords and CAPTCHA. Although I've got to say, I won't be sorry to see CAPTCHA go. Those things drive me nuts. 
And it's pretty much gotten to the point where computers are better at proving they're human than I am. And don't talk to me about biometrics. Biometrics are terrible security. You can't keep them secret. You can't change them. And biometric systems tend to be hacked within months of their commercial release. And that's really the point, I suppose. Security is not about proving to a computer that you are the human you say you are. It's proving that you, as a human or as a machine, have the right to ask for the action you're requesting, whether that's viewing a web page or transferring money. Not only do computers look more like humans to other computers than real humans do, but more and more we humans are going to be relying on our intelligent agents and computer code to act on our behalf. Atsuyoshi's fraud alert system is an excellent approach to and an important part of the future security solution. Different companies and individuals sharing identifying information on bad actors. Now, that won't completely stop the bad guys, but it will make things a lot more expensive for them. To really make this work on a global scale, however, requires cooperation. It requires multinational companies all over the globe to share information about when and how they've been hacked and who's doing it. And so far, most companies have been very reluctant to do so because of legal liabilities and concerns that it would negatively affect their corporate image and, and perhaps their stock price if news got out that their systems had been hacked. Perhaps third-party companies like Kalius will be able to bridge that gap by providing the information without directly identifying the target. That would make things a lot harder on the hackers, and that's always a good thing. If you've got thoughts on hacking, cracking, and computer security in general, other than the fact that I've been using hackers in an overly broad sense, then Atsuyoshi and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 101 and let us know what you think. When you come by the site, you'll see all the links and resources that Atsuyoshi and I talked about in the resources section of the post. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.